0: It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy
1: Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News.
0: Welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast, the show that for the past four and a half years has tried to answer the question, just what the heck is going on in the media, entertainment, and technology world. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, better known to most of the people on the internet as PC Nerd 37 and on the other end of Skype is my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley?
1: It's going very sad.
0: Yeah, I I, I spent a good portion of the weekend just kind of... Thinking about the show, since tonight's the last episode of the Global Geek News podcast, and the show that I've been doing for about four and a half years now, and you've been on for, what was it, we figured out, just over two years, just a couple of weeks yep. over two years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun times over the past couple of years, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, sad to kind of see it going away, but at the same time, I'm ready for a break, too. I'm going to try my best not to cry during the show. Yeah, me too. Actually, I'm not one for really crying, period. I don't even much cry at funerals. I've kind of taught myself to control my emotions to an extent, so... That's not something you really have to worry too much about from me. Although, if you do hear about me in the newspaper or on the news tomorrow night, it's because I killed the idiots at the tree service that my next-door neighbors hired. And I'm <laughs> less than happy about that.
1: They Are they cutting there, at seven like, o'clock in the morning or something like that?
0: No, I I didn't even know they were coming until I found out. Oh, hey, they were here. Uh, apparently, they were they're cutting down a humongous tree in my neighbor's backyard, and of course, they managed to get most of the, or a good section of the tree into my yard, and they never bothered to clean it up or anything. And luckily, none of it fell and killed my dog, which is a miracle. Although, there's a bunch of it that, like, kind of fell on his dog house and on his dog food and... What? Everything. Yeah, and then they just went and left everything tonight, so I assume they're coming back tomorrow.
1: They should at least leave a note saying, hey, sorry for blah, blah, blah. Or even ask for permission to go into your yard. I mean, they can't just go into your property like that. Well, and apparently there is a line on the back of the house. I Supposedly it's for the
0: cable line. I think it's a phone line that... Runs from the wires in the alley up to the the roof of our house. Well, apparently, that was they thought that was going to be in their way, so they took that off the side of our house and it's just laying on the ground now. Which I'm not too thrilled about that idea either. Hopefully, my dog
1: doesn't chew through that. Okay, I'll uh, set up a Google alert for Jeremy Bray News Arrested.
0: Yeah, that I plan on taking at least tomorrow morning off of work because I got finals and stuff anyway, but um, yeah, if you hear about any confrontations tomorrow morning with me in a tree service, you'll know kind of what's going on.
1: Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I'll be a character witness if you need one.
0: Yeah. I I don't know if I've ever actually been this angry before. This is kind of a new sensation for me. I've, it was a good thing. It's probably a good thing they were gone by the time I got home from work, otherwise... They would probably be leaving in several pieces, but um, I seem to have calmed down a little bit in the last hour or so. But <coughs> who knows if that'll be the case when I see them in the morning?
1: Yeah. But. All right. I I I I hope you much calm between now and then.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm hoping I don't end up in prison, but uh, you never know. Anyway. Like I mentioned, for those that haven't been keeping track, this is our final episode, episode number 94. For those that want to check everything out in the show notes and whatever, which is of course where you can find which of course you can find at globalgeeknews.com, which is where you can find the show notes for all the previous episodes minus the I believe the one lost episode and I think a couple of the earlier episodes like maybe before episode 4 I no longer have the show notes for those. They kind of got lost in between host switches and blogging service switches and all kinds of stuff. But they're still all part of the RSS feed, but they're just gone. The shows are still there. Just the show notes are gone. But anyway, this is the final show. We are going to do a more than full show. Take a couple extra stories this
1: time around. Yeah, if you can stand it, you know, listen to it halfway, hit pause... And then come back to it next week, so you have uh, <laughs> so you can keep it keep the show lasting a week longer than than expected. Yeah, I'm sure it'll end
0: up being a long show anyway, just with the extra stories and whatnot. I'm not saying that the show will never come back. I'm just saying that at least for now, it's dead. All right. Which, maybe we'll do some specials or something. I don't know. Like if uh, you know, I've actually been considering that just the past couple of days. Eventually, or every now and then, I'd like to maybe do. Just kind of a special about whatever. Right, or a round table or something like that. Yeah, I I was thinking something like that would be kind of cool. Just maybe something like once every month or two months or three months or something like that. So don't unsubscribe to the RSS feed yet. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with that because right now I'm paying $5 a month to run the RSS feeds. So I would certainly like to stop paying $5 a month, so I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to quite manage all that but um yeah hopefully we'll maybe see some specials down the road but as far as the regular weekly show goes this is the end of the line but anyway regular show and then we can get all the all the sappy goodbyes at the end and thank all of our special guests that we've had over the years and whatnot Mm -hmm. so we might as well go ahead and get jump right into the news which of course you can find all of our links in at globalgeeknews.com plus all kinds of other stuff that I've been posting on there lately just for those that are curious to have an idea today was the 27th birthday of the Macintosh I posted a video of its of it of the official unveiling that Steve Jobs did 27 years ago today um, posted a really funny little thing between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. It's a little animated gif. A really cool infographic graphic about Foursquare's 34,000 or 3400% growth in 2010. Um, all kinds of stuff over the last week. For those that have been looking forward to the 8-bit Halo game, that's out now. There's a link to it in the on Global Geek News. Some chick with an epic Halo tattoo. Posted that last week also. Uh, And of course I did a little bit of news too. Like Angry Birds is getting its own cartoon series. And a whole bunch of other stuff. So make sure to check out globalgeeknews.com for all kinds of stuff. I've already got, I think, four or five really cool stuff stuff posts ready to go for tomorrow. So for those interested. Including an Iron Man cake. It's probably as yummy as it sounds. <laughs> also, normally I don't do s- stuff like this on Global Geek News, but I post, But tomorrow there's going to be a video being posted of the greatest mini-golf shot of all time. So for those that are a fan of miniature golf, putt-putt golf, whatever you want to call it, you'll definitely want to check that out. It's not something that really goes with the site at all, but it's just awesome enough that I just had to post it. From now on, stuff like that will go on to my other blog, pcnerd37.com, which I haven't messed with in months. Anyway, you can find all that stuff and much more at globalgeeknews.com, and let's get right into the stories with Larry Page is going to be replacing Eric Schmidt as CEO of Google.
1: Yeah, um, from the way that this played out, I had a feeling that it was uh, something that was in the works for a long time, like maybe even uh, the same time where uh, Larry... Sorry, where um, Larry page came in. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Eric Smith came in, sorry.
0: Yeah, from the stories that I've read, it sounded like this was an idea that supposedly came about over the holidays. I've read other posts from people that have talked to people within Google, and between that and things that have been said since this has been announced that, It makes it sound like Eric Schmidt was essentially pushed out out of the CEO position. So Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure quite what's going on. Eric Schmidt isn't leaving the company. He's going to be staying on. He's going to have the role of executive chairman, where he's going to be focusing on deals, external deals and partnerships with customers and broader business relationships, government outreach and technology leadership and all kinds of those kind of stuff. Plus he's still going to be advisor to Larry and Sergey.
1: I'm also guessing that this has something to do with with some of the questions about if morale at Google is falling, falling precipitously to the point where um, we see all this mass exodus from Google to Facebook and to other startups. Um, I think that uh, he's losing some of the brain trust there to uh, to people who have better uh, work life balance or maybe the better work atmospheres. Um, I, I think I think it's it, it could be a reflection on how uh, they feel that Google could have lost some of its way in some of its uh, execution. Maybe not its vision, but its execution. And and I think that's what Larry will bring.
0: Yeah, I've kind of got that feeling as well um with Google has been known to pay employees i think it's millions of dollars just to keep them from going to Facebook now i i think that they've kind of got a little bit of a problem and I'm, and i'm guessing they're hoping that maybe this will kind of help that situation now that the original founders and people with the vision for the company are actually the ones really running the show
1: yeah i and I wonder also if you know the problems with Android and how it's how it's uh, you know the fragmentation and some of the market adoption and and you know the whole issue with call centers and how people couldn't get support and rolling out their own store then pulling that back. Uh, I'm not sure. As I said, it's execution. It just seems unpolished, uh, which was fine for Google when everything was in beta, but I think people are reviewing them as a very grown-up company, and I think that uh, the execution needs to to be uh, more thought out.
0: Yeah, hopefully this will be a good change for Google. I'm not sure how immediate the change will be. I I think he's supposed to... Um, Not really stepped down until April 4th, so we still have several months yet. But I've got this feeling that I think probably this whole idea kind of stems from the privacy issues that Google really faced last year. The buzz? Yeah, like when that um, viral video came out of Eric Schmidt as, what was it, like an ice cream salesman or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like this Uh really
0: evil ice cream salesman person. Mm -hmm. I I think that that was probably damaging enough to his reputation and Google's reputation that I I think that's probably kind of what got the wheels turning on this idea.
1: Yeah, so I think this is turning a new page, um, haha page. And um, hopefully this will reinvigorate Google, because I think that they have I'm not saying they're on the downtrend, but um I think they're leveling off a little bit at least on um I haven't I've over the past year and a half or so you hear the don't be evil motto be mocked by multiple people um and I think that's something that bothers the founder uh and the founders of Google and I think that's something that they're going to try to aim to change. I hope so. They 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 need to
0: do something exciting there. they're starting to get this feel and I know they're I think they when their profits were announced last week they're still growing and whatever. But it's starting to get this feel like they're kind of like this old internet giant
1: mm-hmm. that
0: they're not they're kind of losing that hip edge to companies like Facebook.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. And you can also tell with the lackluster response that people have for the Chrome laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, like Chrome OS that you know things aren't thought out the way they should, and and it seems as though that they're they're resting on the laurels, saying you know we'll just release it and people will love it because it's Google. I mean you're not Apple, so uh, that's not going to work.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when that was released, and I remember essentially hating the idea from and just trashing the idea from day one. So yeah, I can see kind of why it's a failure because it's one of those things. But just was never really thought through, kind of like Sony and the PSP Go, which <laughs> I'm horrified that I think they're gonna probably make the same mistake with the PSP2 or whatever that's supposed to be announced this week, supposedly, or at least the PSP phone that is supposedly coming at World Mobile Congress. I've, I've got the, I've got this feeling that those are probably gonna end up being a disaster as well. Right. But anyway. Speaking of disasters and things that should die, apparently a new study has come out saying that there's that
1: the death of the paper phone book is imminent. It's funny when I was reading this, which I kind of agree. They're saying that the, with the advent of the internet, most people are using that instead of phone books to uh, get updated information and information on demand um, because it's a lot quicker to type in a couple of uh, keystrokes of what exactly you're looking for than ra- rather than searching page by page for finding the exact business you're looking for. Um, but the other day, I was in my friend's car. This was Friday. This is not the other day. It was just Friday. Uh, we were carpooling to go to a movie. I opened his door, and there's all these phone books in the front seat. Uh, his local recycling place wouldn't take them, so he had to drop them off at another recycling facility. Um, and he said the problem just keeps getting worse and worse and I agree I I get phone books delivered to my place and I don't even have a landline and I never use it Um, most people that I know don't use it Um, and the only way that it's still relevant I guess is for people who have landlines don't have the internet don't have a cell phone and won't call directory assistance. I mean, we even for a time had Google 411, and that that ended. Yeah, we still get. Uh, there's like two major
0: phone books around here: um, Dex from Quest, and then there's uh, the Yellow Book, or Ye- Yellow Book, or Yellow Pages. One of the two, something like that. I I can never remember which one's the actual one, which is some knockoff scam thing. that's... anyway, um, we get those are always delivered for free every year plus there's a couple, several other small phone book companies who the size of their phone book is like maybe about the size of a small paperback book compared to our other bigger phone books but there's fewer and fewer people that i'm seeing that actually use the phone book or at least people like under the age of 50 let's say people mm-hmm. people older than that still seem to use the phone book a lot but whenever somebody asks me to, hey, here's a phone book, Look up a number, I just grab my <laughs> laptop or my phone or whatever, punch a couple of keys into Google, let Google Instant pop up what I'm looking for, click, hit OK, and then I have the phone number, the address, the map of the place, and all kinds of other stuff, or reviews yeah. and whatever. Yeah. So I really don't know the last time I've used a phone book. It, it's been years. And apparently... I- Seventy other or seventy percent of, of U.S. adults agree with me on that idea.
1: Yeah, the last time I used a phone book was probably for uh, propping something up or something like that. I don't think I actually used it for its intended purpose. And I agree. I mean, it's wasteful. That's a lot of paper. And when we think about a lot of businesses um, that are are in existence now than before. Um, it's it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and its usefulness is just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah, supposedly
0: 165,000 tons of wasted phone books end up in landfills every year, which, that's a lot of phone books. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it would certainly be nice if we didn't have to worry about all that, if we just went digital for everything. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I think we'll start to see phone books really kind of s- start dying off here in the next five years or so. Uh, I know, at least for where I work, one of the big things is the phone book advertising. It's a real pain in the butt, but for some reason we s- still keep doing it just to so that at least our presence is there, although we maybe get like only a handful of calls every year because of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of the doing what you what you did last year over and over again that's causing this to happen.
0: Yeah, I, I'm hopefully going to maybe be able to talk the boss into stop doing that here in the next year or two or whatever, since that seems to be the less and less popular thing. It wasn't until this year that the phone company or the phone book companies like Quest and stuff actually started trying to sell us on their online... Listings and their online ads and stuff like that, where they were almost
1: more pushing that more than the actual phone book itself. Yeah, it's probably cheaper for them um, to to have one Salesforce instead of two. Yeah, and also, um, I mean, if you're going to go online, I would, I think, Facebook advertising will probably do better than, um, and, than using like on on Yellow Pages their their website.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I haven't I have never heard any real wonderful things about advertising on Facebook. But I know some I've heard of some people that have done it, but I I've never heard of any major results coming from it.
1: Yeah, true, but that's where most people are spending their time.
0: Yeah, there needs to be some kind of better ad platform. I, I don't know what it is, but Somebody needs to come up with something, something better than AdWords. But speaking of Facebook, there's getting to be a little bit of a backlash saying that sites like Facebook and Twitter make us less human and isolate us from the real world.
1: Yeah, they're stating that social, quote unquote, social sites aren't are doing the opposite; is they're alienate us from each other instead of bringing us closer together.
0: Now, haven't we seen? Haven't we talked about studies on the show in the past where that's kind of like the opposite case, where yeah. social networking actually leads to more
1: Very real world interaction. interaction. Yeah, I think what this person um, who believes this, uh, Professor uh, Sherry Tuckle, um, I think she's confusing people opting in to speak with their peers. Rather than the people that are right in front of them, including their friends and family, um, uh, that is being antisocial. For instance, if you're sitting in at in a table full of people and some of them are teenagers and they're texting back and forth, is because they rather communicate with the people they're ta- texting back and forth than the people that is in their immediate that are in their immediate faci- vicinity. Vicinity is because it's it's what they would rather do. So it's just that people are just choosing their own company rather than being forced to interact with the people that are around them. Yeah, that, that's kind of one of the things I like, is I,
0: I'm i not the most social person in the world, I'm certainly a lot better than I used to be, but I there's a lot of times when I prefer to talk to just one person instead of a whole group of people, so if I can just sit there and text with them or tweet them or whatever, I'd just assume do that a lot of times, but yeah. There's one of the things that I never hear anybody talk about. But don't, do you ever realize that there seems to be a lot less awkward silences and stuff on when you're doing things like Facebook and Twitter and texting and whatever compared to actual real life conversations? I think that could be a big part of this too. So yeah, and good. You just don't have these awkward silences. It's like, yeah, if there's a silence there, you just assume that the other person's busy. It's not that you assume that you don't have anything to talk about or whatever. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, you control the flow. You can answer and you can edit whatever you're saying and responding at your own pace instead of having to be quick-witted immediately or even to... Uh, formulate and check spelling. You have all that time to do all that stuff when you control the flow of the conversation. And you can also change the tone if you need to, which is not as easy to do when you're in person and face to face. You can't just say, well, now let's start talking about this. <laughs> so yeah. it, 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 it's, it's um, you know, it could be somewhat of a social crutch, but it's uh, easy for a reason. Now, being able
0: to censor myself is kind of nice on occasion because there's a lot of times if I'm like I IMing with somebody or tweeting with somebody or whatever, there's something where it's like, I really want to say this, but I know I probably shouldn't say it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm actually standing there with that person, chances are I probably won't think twice and I'll just say it anyway when it's probably yeah. something that maybe I shouldn't say compared to if it's something I actually have to type out, then I tend to think twice about what it is that I'm saying and if it's actually worth the effort,
1: and whatever. Exactly. There's no backspace key when you're talking to somebody. Um, and in this article, I also wanted to comment on a couple examples. One, they're talking about um, someone's at a funeral and they saw a teen texting while at a funeral. That goes back to my previous example of saying that the, the teen probably just didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, or wanted to do something else instead of being trapped in the room of people who are mourning after someone else. And the last example, um, or another example, is about a 42-year-old lady who said that she was going to kill herself on her Facebook page. She had over 1,000 friends, 1,058 to be exact, and no one tried to stop her. And is that saying that the social network or Facebook, there's a problem with it? Or that her own judgment of electing these people as her friends... I think it speaks to that, of her her level of screening to linking with friends um, was was not significant enough for them to care about her well-being. Yeah, I,
0: I would say that's probably more of kind of her fault there. I I know if I was to say something like that on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, I, I would get a rather large response if I did something like that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm guessing that's probably her problem with how she interacted with her quote unquote friends over the years. Right. But as far I as mean, the whole um texting and stuff at a funeral thing, I've been known to use my Blackberry at a funeral or whatever. Just I don't know. I don't do it like during the actual funeral itself. Usually it's during the whole cookies and chatting portion, like afterwards.
1: Yeah. I mean, we all deal, deal with things differently. Like, I mean, it could have been out of, you know, I don't want to live in the wallow and wallow in my sa- sadness. I would like a little distraction or something like that. I mean, people deal with everyday situations differently, and I think um, we should just be open to that and letting people grieve the way, way they want, interact the way they want, and s- self-select of the people that they choose to hang around with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that's
0: the way I am, you know. Live and let live. Mm-hmm. But speaking of which, apparently only about twenty-five percent of people enjoy sharing their TV habits with their friends.
1: Which is interesting because most of the statistics from this article is brought to us by a company called SideReel, which I have never heard of, but it is a music. Sorry, a television sharing service. Such kind of like clicker, which I have uh, heard of, um, but they're saying alarming statistics about how many people really want to share what they're watching. Yeah, it seems like this is, and I think the story kind of bears it out that
0: the whole idea of TV being a social thing is becoming
1: yeah.
0: less and less common. I mean, there seems, and there seems to be a lot of people that are still trying there are a lot of companies that are trying to push the idea of tv and social with like get glue or like with the xbox 360 there's group netflix watching features or whatever which i've never used and have no intention of ever using um but it seems like now that tv is essentially crap for the most part anymore (laughs) i don't think i think a lot of people don't really care as much about TV, or at least not enough to share it with their friends. And there's just not very many shows anymore where it's as much of a communal experience. Like when you had like the TV show Friends, and everybody was going to be around the water cooler the next day talking about last night's episode. You just There's just no real shows like that anymore.
1: Yeah, I think TV, for the most part, or I shouldn't say for the most part, but it's moving towards what radio was before early days families used to families used to gather around the radio and they all used to listen listen to programming um nowadays or at least um when radios were on around the household it's more background music or something that's done that's ambient it's not the primary role of the device and i feel that tv's moving in that direction where less and less time people are scheduling to watch television and they're not gathering together to watch television so it's becoming less communal and more individual and less important most people use a laptop or do something else while tv's on and um when when a tv isn't on um when i'm sorry when the when the when a person is by themselves, they usually just choose whatever they like uh, instead of having to get suggestions from other people.
0: Well, I think time-shifting is a, has played a real big factor in this because you don't have people tied to a TV at a specific time anymore. They're always tivo something, or they're going to go watch it on Hulu a couple of weeks later or whatever. All right. So... Then you get into this whole area of spoilers, and it's like, okay, i well. I'm gonna watch this two weeks after it airs, so I really don't want to be a part of any discussions about that with other people because I don't want to happen. I don't want to find out what's supposed to happen on whatever the show is until I actually watch it.
1: Mm-hmm. Which,
0: right? Yeah. Sure. So I, I think that's kind of gotten to be a big part of it as TiVo's and stuff have become more prevalent in the home and i i don't was it a part of this article or something something else that i read today that like home theater setups were becoming a whole lot more common as far as there was i think like 5% of people use devices like a boxy or a roku or whatever but 40% have had their computer hooked up to their tv in the last month for yeah. presumably watching things like hulu and whatever so, yeah, I think that's probably played one of the, the biggest, if not the biggest, role in this.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, I guess it's, you are saying about DVRs and such and Hulu. Um, before, let's say you wanted to get into uh, Star Trek. you never seen Star Trek before, but your friends have. Your friend's going to get you up to date saying, hey, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, and you should start watching it now. And then people would talk about that. I mean, people talk about Glee all the time on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but it's... it's, I would say that's rare. That's more the exception than the rule. I don't see a lot of talk over, about... I mean, you did your live tweeting when Battlestar was on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because that's more cultish than... Than anything else.
0: Yeah. And really, I when I was doing that, when I was doing the live blogging of Battlestar, that was more just an effort for me to try and get traffic than really caring about it, about sharing the experience. Because, I, yeah, I had some people that would check out the live blog, but there wasn't really that many people. It was more of just a case of, like, hmm, I wonder if I can get a traffic boost with this. That, that's really all it was for me. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting trend, that's for sure. I'm kind I I'm kind of curious to see just how much this changes over like the next year or two cuz apparently when they did this study what was it a year ago that it was 50% of people wanted to share their TV habits with their friends and now it's half of that. Mhm.
1: So, I don't know, or it, also, it could be bandwidth. Like as I said, TV viewing is going down. Maybe they rather share their day, their 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 project that they're currently work on, instead of wasting that time interacting with people talking about television.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a big part of
0: it too. Mm-hmm. But well, speaking of time shifting, apparently place shifting is illegal according to the Japanese Supreme Court. If you're place shifting overseas.
1: Yeah, this is basically tapping into a stream or broadcast that's meant for a local population and then sending that to another location. So Slamebox or uh, Orb, any of these uh, hardware software packages that stream from your home internet uh, to your device that may be in another location. That's what they're saying is illegal in Japan yeah apparently you can do it within the country you just can't do it
0: overseas so you can't be yeah. you can't be a Japanese person go over to China and then log in with your sling box and watch whatever Which, yeah they're calling it copyright infringement well I think what it is is this has to do with the whole model that has been around for years and years that Licenses are negotiated separately for each particular country or whatever for any kind of big content like books, music, movies, video games, all that kind of stuff. That That's why we have a lot of the problems that we have now as far as getting mm-hmm. TV shows and music and stuff in different countries is because everything is all done with different licensing agreements in different countries And I assume what they're talking about here is that we're talking about taking this content that's licensed for Japan, viewing it in another country where it's not licensed, and that in and of itself is illegal. Right.
1: Which would make, if you recorded a show, put it on your iPod or your other personal media device or your laptop, and then you took a flight somewhere else, that would be illegal, according to this ruling. Mm-hmm. At least the way I understand it
0: yeah i would I would assume that that would probably be the case as well, but I don't know that this is from the Japanese Supreme Court, so I suppose they could always make up some new laws to try and change this, but yeah, this is certainly a case of copyright laws not keeping up with technology,
1: right, and I think this is actually my first time hearing a story about um, the 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 lack of understanding of digital uh, from Japan. I mean, you would think Japan, I mean, they come up with all uh, a lot of cool gadgets and tech forward that they would not, they would be able to whittle through these or muddle through these um, these these issues a lot quicker than us.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by this. I don't know if it's just a case of they're wanting to strictly follow the law and they're not wanting to try and make waves and create issues with content companies, or if they just are a little on the old-fashioned side and don't want to embrace modern technology or what. But, yeah, I certainly wouldn't export, expect something like this out of Japan.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully this is getting a lot of attention there locally, and maybe that'll clear, clear that up. I mean, it's the home of Sony. Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully, something will. There will be some
0: kind of a technology revolution there in, in their copyright laws. That would be kind of cool. Yes, it but would. Speaking of a revolution, the IPv6 revolution could leave a million Yahoo users behind.
1: Yeah, this is rather bold, and I kind of think it's really cool that Yahoo's moving on with their IPv6 rollout. Uh, doing so would probably expose a lot of users to, uh, you know, routing issues dealing with this new protocol. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at this. I know it's,
0: what is it, like June 6th or something like that is supposed to be the official big IPv6 test as to where major sites like Google and Facebook and whatever are going to be going IPv6 to make sure, like, they're ready, people are ready to be able to use and can use all their services through IPv6 and everything. So yeah, I'm kinda I'm actually kinda surprised that well, I'm still surprised that this hasn't happened sooner. But it it's I'm kinda it seems like it's kinda strange that they're that Yahoo seems to be going all in this fast and I'm actually kinda surprised that only one million users will be affected by this.
1: Well isn't that all their users?
0: <laughs> no, oh no. no. I, aren't they still like the number 3 website or something like that?
1: Yeah, they get a lot of traffic. That was a joke. The bad joke, but um
0: yeah. I know I'm sure they're still in the top 5.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm guessing because of it's an estimate of hit and misses from other ISPs who have not uh upgraded and and probably causing problems in the transport somewhere along the way. Um, maybe it's just intermittent problems. Who who knows? Uh, but I'm, I'm surprised. That, is, are, are they problem? Are they expecting to flip the switch whole, wholesale to IPv6, or are they're gonna keep a mixture of IPv6 and IPv4?
0: I, I would assume that it would probably be a mixture, just for the sake of making sure that everybody could excuse me that everybody can still have access to stuff. But I don't know. I know that Google has gone IPv6 with like search and stuff a long time ago. It's just that I believe to use it, you have to use... I think it's like ipv6.google.com or something like that. Mm -hmm. Let me see. And if you're IPv6 ready, then you can... Well, either I'm not IPv6 ready or that's not the correct domain. I know I heard it earlier today what the domain is, but um, anyway, uh, I would think that they'd be going with a mixture until kind of more people get moved over, but I don't know. And I just went and looked on Alexa. They are the number four site still. Okay. I'm not surprised. I mean,
1: they're still very popular.
0: Yeah, it goes Google, Facebook, YouTube, Yahoo, Live, Baidu, Wikipedia, Blogger, MSN, and... 10 cent, which I've never heard of, but it must be rather big if it's the number 10 spot. Twitter's number 11.
1: Oh, so that's Yahoo breaking out Yahoo Mail and um, yeah, uh, Flickr and all their other properties? Mmm. Oh, wow.
0: Hmm. But, Not a clue. Anyway, yeah. um, uh, where was I? But. Yeah, this is just going to be another one of the hilarious things that's going to happen with the IPv6 transition, which I, I'm still excited to see all the chaos that this causes.
1: Yeah, we're supposed to run out like next month, right? That's the estimate?
0: Uh, yeah, I... I think so. I think we're supposed to like run out next month as far as the last blocks of addresses will be divvied up to like ICANN or... What is it? Is it ICANN or IANA or, and the different regional places sorry. that manage IP addresses and stuff throughout the world? and then I believe then I think it's supposed to be sometime this summer or maybe early fall when we're supposed to actually truly run out of addresses?
1: Okay, sorry, I was adjusting my mic
0: if you heard anything of that. About- oh yeah, believe me, I heard all of that. I'm okay, still sorry. I'm still hearing that. Okay. Um,
1: but is that better?
0: Yeah, okay, good. But yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. But speaking of ICANN, apparently the RIAA is threatening ICANN about the whole idea of a .dot music top
1: level domain. Right. I mean, if so, this is about new do, new top level domains and how which is like com, net, org, gov. Um, they're talking about having one that's .dot music. And the RIAA is saying no, you can't have a TLD that that has .dot music because it'll be it'll be rampant piracy will be rampant and people will be giving music away just because it has a .dot music extension. As an odd
0: coincidence, the Pirate Bay is starting up their own um, music site this week, I believe. But yeah, this is com- a completely idiotic idea. It's not like They don't share music on .com domains or any other top-level domain, so why they would single out .music seems kind of stupid. Yeah. It's like, Uh, why don't we just shut down .com, too, because people can share music on there.
1: Yep, exactly. Uh, uh, That's very stupid. Of course, we expect nothing less from the RIAA. Uh, Their lawyers need money. So, <laughs> yeah. they got a feed machine. It, it, it makes sense for them to go after this if they if they're in the business of suing people. Which is, it seems like they're less and less in the business of uh, helping artists and helping the de- dissemination of their of their of their craft to other people who want it. Now they're just trying to uh, try to close off any avenues as uh, or as many avenues as possible to make sure that. Uh, they control every single outlet. Yeah, they
0: just want as much money as they can still get their hands on before they end up just kind of fading away. that thats I think that's pretty much the whole issue. But as far as this whole top-level domain thing goes, if it was like a dot piracy or something like that, maybe I could uh, kind of yeah. see that. But a dot music seems kind of stupid. You'd think they would be more inclined to embrace something like that
1: yeah they should in fact encourage all of their all the, their uh all the people that they represent to do a land grab and try to get you know b m i dot music or sony dot music and uh, try to get as many of the of these uh top level domains as possible as possible but instead they're just trying to prevent it which does not make sense yeah I-
0: there's nothing that the RIAA does that makes any sense at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. so they're basically used... They haven't formally, uh, I guess, put uh, tried to bring the ICANN to court, but they basically wrote a threatening letter saying, don't do this or we will take it to court. And what exactly would the lawsuit be
0: on that? Uh, I can't think of anything... It would be that they could use in court to say oh hey we don't want you to do this
1: yeah I, yeah I can't think of anything either I mean they don't have a copyright on the word music yeah I, I'm wondering where they get their
0: lawyers out of if they just get them straight out of the circus or are these all the like Harvard law school rejects or what but um, at least it's they're not as bad as the um, people that enforce cop- music copyright violation um, laws in Russia. where appara- Oh, yeah. Where apparently somebody is facing six years in prison because he uploaded 18
1: songs. Yeah, I, I'm guessing these lawyers are, um, in Russia were actually good or the laws are that flimsy. For uploading 18 songs, this guy gets six years in jail. Which it sounds extremely harsh to me. Yeah,
0: apparently he hasn't been convicted yet, but he's facing the six years in jail. But that that's still insane. I mean, we have our issues here as far as mm-hmm. people like a Jammy Thomas or whatever will upload two dozen songs or whatever and end up owing the music industry a million bucks or a couple million bucks or whatever that's crazy. But you don't get a half dozen years in prison for it. Even the Pirate Bay guys only got convicted for a year in prison the first time around, and even less the second time. Right.
1: So what is that, equal to, is that about four months per song? Uh,
0: yeah, that's great. Something like that. Yeah. I'm too lazy to do the math, but yeah.
1: <laughs> but that, that's a lot. I mean, when we're talking about time as money, that's a lot to to. to I mean, the world's going to be different by the time this guy gets out of prison. The world is going to be fun- fundamentally different in, in in six years. I mean, we're talking about, what, 1917? God, I can't even think about it. Yeah, I mean,
0: 18 songs, that's like one CD or a CD and a half.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, if I could maybe see it if this was like an album that w- hadn't been released yet, and this guy leaked it early, because I know like when we have movies and stuff that are leaked early here, like a Star Wars movie or something like that, then the FBI gets involved, they go and arrest the guy, throw him in prison whatever for how many ever years plus whatever fines and what all, but for just somebody who uploads 18 random songs that have
1: been out for who knows how long that's kind of insane Yeah, it does send a message but this also sounds like a human rights violation. <laughs> yeah, that's like this
0: the is textbook it. definition of cruel and unusual punishment.
1: Exactly. Um, which in Russia, if they just want to, uh, they've they've been notorious for being a little loose and typewriting and and pirating. Maybe they just want to use this one case and just keep pointing to this when people complain and just say, "Hey, well, we did this to this guy," and maybe they'll just maybe this is just an example that's supposed to last a long time for any criticisms that's supposed to uh, come down in the future. I have a strange feeling that this guy just happens to have pissed off the Russian
0: mob for some reason. And this <laughs> yeah. is just kind of the payback.
1: Yeah. Or maybe because of the, where we we're talking about the Microsoft licensing thing where, uh, they would arrest dissidents, uh, and just say, "Hey, your Microsoft license is up, so we're just using this to arrest you." Maybe this is that. And just uh, since that Microsoft loophole was was filled, maybe this is their way of getting back at their um, political dissidents.
0: Yeah. Well, at least well, hopefully, at least this guy's smart enough not to record the cops, so he doesn't get an extra fifteen years of jail added onto his sentence.
1: Oh yeah, and this was in Illinois. This is our next story that. Um, person was caught recording a police officer and uh, they were told it's illegal.
0: Yeah, apparently there's Illinois and like maybe two or three other states or whatever that where apparently the their wiretapping laws or whatever are as such as to where you're not allowed to record people especially cops without having some sort of acknowledgement from the person that you're recording that you're recording them. So and I don't remember if this particular story mentions I know I saw it in another story about this, saying that because he record this guy recorded a cop instead of just a normal person, the amount of time that he gets in prison like doubles or triples or whatever just
1: because it's a cop. Whoa, like speeding through a construction zone? Yeah, basically. Oh, that sucks. I mean in in Texas we don't have this uh, universal opt-in for a recording. Uh, only one per, party needs to be privy uh, to record a conversation. Um, if so, I would be in jail. If you were, if you've listened to my recording of when the cops confronting me confronted me at the airport, I recorded that without them knowing. <laughs> uh, but uh, luckily in Texas, that's legal.
0: Yeah, I never really usually give it much thought. I'm not. I know I've looked up what the laws are here in Colorado, but I don't really recall what they are. Because there are some states where everyone that's involved in the conversation that you're recording has to know. There's others that, that's not required. I, I don't re- recall where Colorado falls on that. And generally speaking, I don't record stuff. If I'm calling someone through Skype, it's safe to assume that I'm always recording it. Because I use CallGraph. It's... it's Exactly how we record this show is we record the show over Skype, and I just have CallGraph running in the background recording the, the call. So if if ever I call anybody, any of the listeners or whatever on Skype, it's safe to assume that I'm recording the call for in case I ever need it. Usually, it's not so much something like, I'm recording this call so I can come back to screw you eventually. I mean, if you screw me, then, yeah, I've got that as ammunition. But... Yeah usually it's a case of like if I'm working with other people on a project or whatever, I want to be able to go back and listen to that call and pick up maybe a detail that I didn't um, catch the first time around so that whatever it is project that I'm working on, I get it right the first time and don't have to then don't screw it up or have to go back and call the person and say, hey, what was it you said for me to do or whatever. It's, Mm -hmm. It's usually just kind of
1: a more accurate way of me taking notes essentially agreed it, this and uh, i just hope that this article about why not being able to record police officers is something that'll cause a major uh, change uh, nationally about wiretapping or recording conversations and it'll have i hope it'll adopt something like we have here in texas where only one party needs to be privy that uh, a conversation is being recorded. Yeah. Well, I can understand it with between maybe
0: conversations between regular people. But when you're dealing with a public official like a law enforcement officer, something like that needs to be allowed.
1: Yeah, they're, they're punished held to a higher even harder. higher Yeah, they're held to a higher standard, and if they can't carry themselves – Professionally, at all times, regardless if there's if someone's recording it or not, um, then I mean that's something that they need to be aware of and something they should be scared of.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm just now looking at the original. Uh, apparently, the New York Times article that this came from, and apparently, audio recording a civilian in Illinois without consent is a class four felony, punishable by up to three years in prison for a first time offense second time offense, it's a class three felony with up to with a prison term of five years. But if you're doing it to apparently um, a law enforcement officer, state attorney, state attorney's assistant, attorney general, judges, yada, 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 then it's a class one fel- felony punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's a little crazy. hope I'm hoping, I think the ACLU is supposed to be coming in on this case to hopefully help this guy, because that's just stupid.
1: Yeah, especially if you're using it for your own personal protection. I mean, that's it's, it's not like it's not blackmail. It's, hey, I want to protect myself, and this is my means of doing so. Mhm. Yeah, that, that
0: you should be allowed to record conversations that you're in or whatever, especially when they're with a
1: public official. Yeah, but, and it looks like uh, Apple's trying to protect themselves by not allowing people to m- mess with equipment that they sold you.
0: Yeah, this whole story just kind of pissed me off when it came out. Was it Friday night or Thursday or whatever? Yeah, I guess it was Thursday, where apparently Apple has decided to switch to these tamper-resistant screws. that are like these pentalobe screws that I guess you could say it kind of looks like a star with rounded edges, essentially, Right, or flowery. Yeah, yeah, either way. And apparently (laughs) they're changing to these screws for their iPhones, MacBook Pros, MacBook Airs, whatever, so that the average person can't get in there and tamper with the hardware, which is kind of strange considering the fact that one of the upsides to things like MacBook Pros is that you can get in there and throw in a new hard drive or throw in RAM and whatever without having to haul it to the Apple store if you know what you're doing. So this this is kind of really annoying. You can get a hold of these screwdrivers, but they're rare. They're hard to find. They tend to be quite a bit more expensive than your regular screwdrivers. So this is definitely going
1: to keep a lot of people out of the hardware that they've purchased. My thought on this is a little bit different than yours. Uh, For me, I felt that this was uh, par for the course. Apple has always wanted the control, the experience, the user product, and that includes aftermarket additions. So uh, if you wanted your memory upgraded, your hard drive replaced, they prefer you to go to them rather than you do it yourself. And I think this is one way of ensuring that. Uh, And... When you look at the unibody construction and even uh, some of their other products, they try to get it nice and sleek, and they want to make sure that no one messes with anything. And they control the hardware, and I think they've been very clear, especially with jailbreaking and their stance on that, that they don't want people messing with their stuff. They want to control the experience for you, for third-party application uh, uh, providers, and even uh, third-party hardware providers.
0: Uh, I think that's. I, mean, I can understand. I can understand that. But as far as I'm concerned, if that's the route that they sh- want to take, that's fine. But just say, if you open it up, we've got we'll put these stickers everywhere, like a lot of hardware companies do, saying that if you open it up, you violate the warranty. And at that point, okay. if you screw something up, you're screwed. And that that's the way a lot of companies do it like Sony does that, I believe like Microsoft does that, so if you go to open up your Xbox 360, there'll be something there saying hey, if you open this up, you violate the warranty so do this at your own expense and I think that's pretty much really as far as you need to go you don't need to go to these great lengths of changing out "Mm, excuse me of changing out all the screws on all your hardware just to keep a couple of people from changing out some hardware I, and we're not talking about the average joe that's going to want that, to that's ever going to want to open up their iPhone or their MacBook or whatever the average person would be too scared to do something like that we're just talking about some computer geeks and hardware enthusiasts for the most part
1: yeah, this is one of those things where they're changing the situation from an impulse to pre-planning. If you wanted to just say, "Hey, I want to crack open my phone," you can't just grab a Phillips screwdriver and just open it up and just look at it. You have to go through some foresight of saying, "Okay, now I need to find a screwdriver that'll fit this," and then go through the problem, or have to ask someone how to get past these screws. I think they're just making they're just raising the bar of difficulty. Um, that they know that it's going to deter some people. And that's just what they want. They just want to lower that rate inch by inch by inch. I think a lot of the times that can be accomplished just
0: by the size of the screws. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I've been known to hack my PSP's hardware and whatnot, not to mention the software and firmware and whatnot over the years. But one of the things with me when I first wanted to start hacking my PSP was that I didn't have a set of s- screwdrivers that would fix it cause you, that I could use to open it because you have to have those little tiny um, like jeweler's screwdrivers and stuff to get in there which most people aren't going to have unless they happen to have glasses or something like that that's where they kind of need to have something like that around so I, I think just doing something like that would be enough in a lot of cases that if, you, if you're dealing with these people that really want to get in there, it doesn't matter what kind of screw you use, they're still going to get in there.
1: True, but
0: it's limiting it this to people who really want to get in there,
1: yeah. instead of the people who are just curious.
0: Yeah, well, when you take somebody like me with my PSP, I didn't care what Sony thought I was going to get in there. I wanted to change the face plate, which I... have changed the faceplate a number of times and those are seem to be harder to get anymore and they aren't as cheap as they used to be for whatever goofy reason but yeah i I was always opening mine up changing the faceplate and and yeah i would void the warranty or whatever but i had two psps i didn't care and one of the nice things about it was that i could fix my own psp at one point, the joystick on my PSP went bad because I was an idiot and used one of those little um, joystick extender things that you can buy at like GameStop or whatever that make the joystick come out of the unit a little, bit, a little bit more. It's a lot more comfortable, and it's nice to use, but it will break the joystick mechanism inside after a bit of use. And I was able to... I don't remember where I got the... Um, repair joystick unit from if it was on eBay or if I got it... I think it was on eBay. Maybe it was just some random parts site. But I was able to get it and f- fix it myself. Biggest pain in the butt that I've ever had to deal with, but I was able to do it myself instead of s- sending it in to Sony or whatever and saying, hey, could you please fix this? And and I think that was really when I started doing uh, the face place and case mods and stuff anyway, but I didn't want to have to send in my precious PSP for a month or whatever just so that they could fix their joystick problems. I I prefer doing my own fixes whenever I can.
1: Yeah, well once again if you're really determined, this is not going to stop you. Um, this is for the people who are just passively thinking about it. And people who really want to get in their system will get into their system. Yeah. Well, speaking of Apple
0: products, apparently the iPad took 87.4% of tablets of the tablet market share last summer. Which is a rather impressive number, although not so much considering there weren't very many other tablets last summer
1: either. 7.4%. Um, but not total market share. Um, the reason why I say that is because I know of a lot of companies that buy tablets and um, they're not an iPad. For instance, uh, say, vertical markets like medical, where doctors carry the pads. And then uh, like UPS and FedEx, when they have those, uh, those digital boards that people sign and stuff like that, um, those aren't iPads. Uh, but um, very interesting numbers here. I think the problem is the definition of
0: tablet and how it's evolved I mean ever since the iPad came out when you think tablet you think something like the iPad or maybe like a like some of the ones that aren't out on the market yet like the Motorola Zoom or the Blackberry Playbook or whatever basically these slate type devices it used to be the term tablet meant essentially a laptop except for the fact that you could kind of close up the keyboard and everything, hide everything mm-hmm. underneath, and you just would have this surface to write on, you could write on the screen. So I, I think there's oh, still some confusion as far as the definition of that goes. And, of course, those are the kinds that are generally used in like medical offices and stuff like that, And and those never really caught on much, largely because they were quite a bit more expensive. And the mm-hmm. hardware on those things really sucked for the most part.
1: Which is why I never got one. Yeah, the battery life wasn't so good and the power um well, the uh, problem the was, power that was so good. Well the hardware always just seemed to
0: be really underpowered. It's like I can get a laptop with this configuration for a thousand bucks. I could spend fifteen hundred bucks and get or two thousand dollars and get this tablet that has hardware that are half the specs of this laptop and it's like, why would I spend double the price to get half as much? Just right. so like and they all came a with, screen,
1: and they all came with the uh, stylus or something like that too. That he had to use, yeah. to use their ink or whatever. Um, so yeah, um, which is that? That's kind of really what I would prefer. I, I would
0: prefer a stylus over touch any day.
1: Yeah, until you lose it. <laughs> yeah. So these percentages aren't surprising. Um, also, they're not complete. Uh, for the all of the year of 2010. Um, what I did find uh, surprising is in the e-reader market, uh, Amazon was number one, but number two was Pan Digital, which I've never heard of. Yeah, I, I,
0: I think the e-reader numbers on this are really off. because They're saying in the what was it during the summer or whatever for Amazon they only sold they only sold 1.14 million Kindles which of course we've never heard any official numbers ever from Amazon we've over the, the things that they've said over the years I've been able to kind of do some rough calculations on numbers at least last year's numbers although I don't remember what I did with those numbers that I had scribbled down but the numbers that I came up with were were significantly higher than 1.14 million, that's for sure. So to say that they only have 41.5% of the e-reader market doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially when the number two is somebody that I've never even heard of compared to, and supposedly they have just a slightly bigger market share, or shipped slightly more than a Barnes & Noble Nook or a Sony... E-reader, whatever.
1: Yeah. So these are questionable once because they have they're using unverified numbers, of course, because Amazon never publishes how much they sold. And two is because their mix doesn't really make sense. And I would say that uh, you know Sony Sony doesn't have a store, I don't think they don't have like an e store. Um, but yeah, I would think Barnes and Noble and the Nook would be um, a little, quite higher than what I have what they have right now.
0: Yeah, I don't. It seems like, as memory serves, in the first, I don't know, couple of weeks that the Nook color came out, I believe the numbers was that they were shipping every day, or that they were selling every day, was about 17,000. Mm-hmm. So, I would think 17,000 a day would be more than enough to wipe this pan-digital right off the map.
1: Yeah, not, I would Not agree. to mention
0: how many ever... Tens or hundreds of thousands or whatever that
1: Amazon is selling. Yeah, yeah. And then these are worldwide shipments, um, but still, I mean, you would think Pan Digital would be at CES. They would be at all these shows, and we would hear about them. But no, we haven't.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, that's that makes me kind of wonder if that's. Like an e-reader for that they use maybe over in Europe or something or what, because I don't I don't know how much how big what the market share is for like Amazon or Barnes and Noble and in, in Europe or over in Asia or whatever. That now I'm kinda curious about that. Yeah. But speaking of numbers that are at least a little bit more impressive, the Apple App Store has hit ten billion app downloads.
1: Yeah, that's huge. And of course, when we're talking about App Store, we're talking about on iOS devices, not the uh, App Store that launched on uh, on Macs uh, earlier this, this month. Yeah, which
0: I think I heard that one had had like a million downloads in the first day or something like that, which I've, I've downloaded a few apps on the Mac App Store. It's kind of nice. It, it it has a very iTunes feel to it, so I don't know why they didn't just build it right into iTunes
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I don't know but that's one of those things that I, I guess I just don't understand about Apple.
1: well, they probably didn't build it into iTunes because they wanted to make sure that uh, that it could be updated uh, whether or not you have uh, whether or not you use iTunes regularly mm-hmm. or not
0: well I think pretty much all. Apple users use
1: iTunes regularly,
0: but maybe not in a corporate environment yeah maybe yeah I don't know but it, it just seems I just thought it seemed really strange but apparently yeah. they hit one built the one billion app download mark in April of two thousand and nine so in less or in less than two years they've
1: sold an extra 9 billion apps. That's crazy. Right. And the luck, the lucky uh, winner is uh, Gail Davis, uh, a British woman, who apparently her child was the one who downloaded the ten billion app, and they get $10,000 in iTunes uh, credit. Yeah, it's kind of funny that the kid
0: actually bought the 10 billion, or the, yeah, or downloaded the 10 billionth app. And apparently when Apple called this lady to say, hey, you'd won, this lady thought it was actually a prank phone call and hung up on them.
1: Yep, which is a smart
0: lady, if you ask me. (laughs) Yeah, that would be kind of strange if you get a call from Apple saying, hey, you've downloaded X billion number of apps or whatever.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I would, I mean phone call? Why would they call them? I mean, an email would, well, I guess really, no. No, <laughs> uh, you don't, wanna, you don't <laughs> want something like
0: that getting caught up in your spam filter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Personal visit. That's what they should have done.
0: Yeah, personal visit from Steve Jobs. Exactly. Well, he's sick right now.
1: Uh, <laughs>
0: okay, send Waz in his place. Yeah, send Waz. Yeah, that would that would have been awesome. Yeah, it, if Waz showed up at my door and told me I had downloaded X,
1: the X billionth app, that would be pretty awesome. Right. And one of those um novelty giant checks that <laughs> have ten thousand dollars written on it. That would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, that that would be cool.
1: But yeah. Congratulations
0: to them. Apple is running away with all kinds of money since they get their thirty percent cut of everything. Um which it seems like I had heard not too long ago that they were make like that they that they're making like a billion dollars from the app store or whatever, because of their thirty percent cut.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, thirty percent is a big chunk for just just you know facilitating data transfers, basically.
0: Yeah, because really, I I don't see that as costing them much. I mean, if it's going over the cell network, maybe there might be some kind of a money change in hands there with AT and T or whatever. But if you're just doing it over Wi-Fi, that bandwidth can't cost all that much.
1: Well, even over the cell network, I don't think that the carrier can determine um, the nature of that data transfer. So I guess you could see it's between you and Apple, but still, I mean, how do they know it's an app? And how's it? it could be so many other things?
0: Uh, with this type of relationship as Apple and AT&T have had, I would think they'd be able to figure that out. But Anyway, speaking of apps and stuff, the Nintendo three D S was announced for the US last week with a launch date of March twenty seventh at a two hundred and fifty dollar price point and apparently it's going to have its own apps and stuff. Like a browser. Yeah,
1: and Yeah, and Wi Fi um sharing and to network and games and its own downloads and an enhanced web browser and all this stuff. Uh, Although it won't before have we any, get to this um, persistent storage on it, which is strange. yeah, which doesn't make sense to me. I don't see how that can even work. Um, I was going to ask you, what do you think about this 250 price point? You know, it doesn't really bother me.
0: Any, I mean, that's what the PSP came out for when it first shipped, and of course I bought two PSPs. So really, the number doesn't really put me off too much. It's pretty much everything else about the device that kind of puts me off. I mean, the fact that I think it was last week or the week before they said it's only going to get a three to five hour battery life when you're using it in 3D mode. I think that's rather off-putting for me. Uh, The fact that you have to hold the device perfectly still to be able to really see the 3D that's kind of off-putting
1: to me. Even Um, though you have like a gyroscope and all that in there where you're required to tilt it for certain games. Yeah, yeah, but to s- see the
0: actual 3D portion of it, you have to hold it totally still, which is, who's going to do that? I mean, most people I know when they're button mashing and stuff, this system's kind of going all over the place. Mm, so, yeah. I mean, I'm generally not one of those people, but still, that's rather annoying. The fact that apparently, due to the 3D effect, your eyes tire of it twice as fast as they do on a normal system. That's really off-putting to me. Well, that's uh, why you have a short battery life. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that too. That, <laughs> the, the battery life thing is what really is strange. And one of the other things they had in this article that really kind of surprised me and scared me is the fact that they said that apparently it'll be able to do updates over Wi-Fi and like, get free downloadable content and stuff like that. While the device is in sleep mode. Yeah. I don't want to set the, a 3DS on my desk overnight, not thinking to, about plugging it in, wake up the next morning and finding the battery dead just because it sucked down updates over the Wi-Fi.
1: Right. And I wonder how this will influence or like affect travel, like being on a plane and not being able to turn off or, or, or not knowing um, that your unit's not off, even though you think you've turned it off. Yeah, I, I would presume it would
0: have some sort of an airplane mode, like most other things do these days for like the Wi-Fi and stuff. But yeah, that's just, that. That seems to be like a bad idea to me. I, I can see it saying, "Hey, you're going to launch this app. You mind if we check for updates? Sure, go ahead, whatever." But to do it when it's in sleep mode. That just doesn't seem like a very good idea. If it's plugged in at the time, then that's probably okay mm-hmm. as far as like battery right. usage and whatnot. But if it's mm-hmm. just sitting there, it doesn't need to be running the Wi-Fi or anything like that.
1: I agree, and
0: I also still it, hate it, the whole concept what, of the friend codes.
1: Yeah, I think the the Wii console. Uh, does the same thing. Like You think it's off, but it's still downloading updates in the background. But once again, that's plugged in all the time, so why not? Mm-hmm. Um, no persistent storage. I, I, I don't know how this works on the 3DS. Um, I, I, I'm really, really curious about that. I'm, I'm, I would like to see you at $250 with the you know the iFixit, or um, I think it's iFixit that they do the teardowns. Mm-hmm. For, to figure out how much this thing is actually going to cost to make.
0: Yeah, I, I can't wait to see that as well. Yeah, the persistent storage thing, in this day and age, really doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially if you're going to be able to download content and stuff, but really, persistent storage has never really been Nintendo's big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Usually, in the cartridges of the games, there's enough memory in there for like things like game saves and stuff like that but past that, there's never really been any need in the past to have any kind of persistent storage. But at the same time, in the past, you have always dealt with cartridges. You're never dealing with any kind of downloadable content or anything like that. So it's never really been an issue for Nintendo up until now. I mean, even even the Nintendo Wii, it doesn't have any storage on it, but at least you can stick a like a 2 gig SD card in it and you have... And you're able to download games and whatever onto it so
1: yeah download, download content is very popular <laughs> especially when physical media is being phased out um by content providers like a lot of the publishers don't want to have physical uh discs that can be resold they, they rather have it digital and uh, i think they're really cutting themselves out of the market by not providing such a such a mechanism to allow for downloadable content. See, when it comes to the whole physical versus
0: digital thing, if we're talking about CDs, I'd rather go digital every time. But when we're talking about cartridges, like Nintendo has always used, well, always up until the GameCube anyway. But when it comes to the cartridges, I would give anything for a cartridge over downloadable, or over download or CDs any day from the cartridges that I've used from, I've got Game Boy cartridges sitting not a foot from me to back to NES cartridges, which I think I've got sitting next to me too, that those things are like tanks. You can't, it's not an easy thing to damage those things without like bringing it over with a vehicle or something.
1: Yeah, but there are game patches, there are extra levels that could be added to there's, uh, there's so much capability and flexibility, but being able to have both uh, digital and down, download content and physical cartridge. Yeah, both would be
0: nice, but I, I certainly don't mind cartridges.
1: Yeah. It's I remember the, blowing on cartridges when I was a kid. And
0: yeah, it, it's just anything like a disc that I hate. Um, anything that I have to worry about it getting scratched. Or if it's anything like the PSP, the UMDs in that thing are horrible. I, I, I'm still don't necessarily, I think the whole downloadable only content thing for the PSP go is a whole terrible idea, but the actual UMDs, the discs for the PSP are absolutely horrible. Cause this, the stupid little gla, um, clear plastic window things on them are constantly breaking and it screws up being able to use the disc. And it's just a, total mess that's why i've always been a big fan of these solid state um cartridges rather than any kind of spinning media at all all right but just call me an old-fashioned kind of person old-fashioned yeah (laughs) well on that note i guess that's
1: the show yep that's the end of the show that's the end of the the era
0: yep after uh, I, I was thinking I was going to go back and look and see when the very first episode was I, uh, I'd have to go back on the RSS feed and look but anyway um, actually I could probably open up iTunes and figure it out since the, the RSS should show up in there uh, yeah, we, the first episode was on August 30th, 2006, so yeah, we've been doing it for, or I've been doing it for four and a half years, so this is probably, I don't know if I've ever done much of anything for four and a half years. Ran it the first two years, there wasn't a tremendous amount of shows, I think, there was, like, Three five shows, something like that, but um, yeah, it's been four and a half years for me two two years for you mm-hmm. it, it's the end of an era, that's for sure, yeah, and I'm definitely sad to see it go i i'm I'm sad and happy at the same time see, I, the whole idea of freeing up five hours on my Monday is mm-hmm. just makes me want to do cartwheels, but yeah, this this has always been fun, especially when you have guests on. That that's those are the times I really enjoy when we have guests on.
1: Yeah, I agree. Those are those are hella fun shows. Uh, especially with uh Randall Bennett. I thought he was hilarious. I I love working with him.
0: Yeah, Randall's fantastic. Walt was always fantastic. Yeah. am um, trying to think of all the other people that we've had on the show. Let's see, there was Ashley Myers, uh, Oh, now I'm totally blanking out on Tom's last name. Uh, Tom Ziegman. There we go. Uh, Let's see. We've had Alana Taylor on the show. Justina Zarek on the show. Of course, these are... I don't think you were on when I had Alana on. Yeah, those are PWs. Yeah. Pre-Wesley. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, Of course, my first two co-hosts, Larry Miller and... Lindsay, I can't think of her last name, and I know I'd probably butcher it anyway, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, Mm. But yeah, I've had lots of people on over the years. Uh, Don Reisinger's been on once. Uh, Steve Gilmore's been on once. Um, Adam Curry. Yes, Adam Curry. That that was, I, I can't believe I almost forgot about that episode. That was episode number 75. That was our most downloaded episode of all of our episodes, I think. With, yeah. with the possible exception of the Justine Izeric episode back early couple of years ago, that was that was popular there for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, definitely a big thanks to him for that one. Um, Maya Grinberg, um, a huge thank to to Chris Cashman for doing the intro to the show for yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how many episodes we've been using the intro now. It's right. I think we've been using it f- for close to a year. I think it's been about ten, nine, ten months that we've been using that for our intro, and that that's something I've been I'm extremely grateful for. Right, and he was a good guest too because he's been on the show. Yes, yes, he he's he's a ton of fun to talk to. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that I'm forgetting. I'm sure there's got to be somebody that I'm forgetting. Yeah. I, did, I did mention Walt, right? Yes, you did. Yeah, Walt, Walt Ribeiro, he's been on more than any other person that we've ever had on as far as memory serves. I think he's been on, what, like five times or something like that?
1: Yeah, and I think actually, uh, with the exception of Randall, he is the only other person I've met in person on the show. Oddly enough,
0: the only person on the show, two people on the show that I've ever met in person are Justina Eric and Don Reisinger. Those are the only two people that have been on the show ever that I've ever met in person. I still have never even met you in person. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah, So, I, I'm pretty sure that's everybody. I hope I'm not leaving anybody out, but thanks to all of you that have all been a part of the show over the past four and a half years. It's been a great run despite the fact that between october and now half of you half of the audience seems to have left which right i still don't understand why but oh well but anyway everybody can of course check out the show notes for this particular show and all the other shows at globalgeeknews.com and like i said don't um unsubscribe from the rss cuz i would definitely like to do some specials in the future, and yeah, you never know. Maybe someday down the road the show will come back. Who knows? Right.
1: And we even talked about maybe even doing some video editions or something like that. Maybe we'll pick something up like that, maybe for special occasions. Uh, we'll see.
0: Yeah, you never know. Something may come up soon. Who knows? Maybe you start doing more stuff like around conferences or something like that. That would be kind of cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But anyway... Um, I think that's pretty much it. Anybody that wants to um, share their fond memories of the show, they can do so in the comments at globalgeeknews.com. Of course, this is episode number 94. Although I'll probably be. I've got a post written that's kind of explaining more about why the show is is ending and whatnot that I just haven't posted yet. I wrote it the other night when I was half asleep and I just haven't gone back to proofread it. But, yeah. I once once I get that up everybody can share their kind of memories and stuff on there as well. Um any other feedback we're always happy to hear it. Just for the sake of clarification, Global Geek News itself is not going away. I'm still blogging like crazy on the site. I've already got like 4 or 5 posts ready to go for tomorrow alone. Um It's just the podcast that's going away. If you want to go get Global Geek News merchandise, that'll still be there. If you want to donate for the heck of it, hey, I'd be more than happy to have your money. Mm -hmm. So this is just the show that's going away. Everything else will be essentially as it was. More or less, I have kind of been changing the focus of the site in the recent couple of months, which hopefully that's obvious. If not, I plan on doing a blog post more about that here in the near future as well. But anyway, for the last time, you can of course follow follow us on Twitter at PCNerd37, which is me. I'm also at Global Geek News, which is pretty much all almost all global geek news stuff. There's I do throw in other stuff in there from time to time. And you can also follow Wesley, who's at Wesley eighty three on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And you can also check him out at wesley dot com where he's always posting some really cool stuff that
1: I don't see anywhere else usually yep i and uh i'll also make sure that um I'm also on friendfeed in which i cross post global geek news uh feed, which also has some really cool things. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I still have my FriendFeed account, and I think I've got like a thousand some odd followers on there. But I I don't even know the last time I logged into FriendFeed. Usually it's a case of if somebody comments on there, I get a notification on my email saying, hey, somebody's commented and this is what they've said on whatever it is that ends up going there, whether it's a tweet, a blog post, you name it. Then sometimes I'll go on there and check it, but otherwise I just kind of don't mess with FriendFeed anymore. It's, it, it seemed like around the time of the Facebook purchase, all of the FriendFeed community
1: pretty much just left. Yeah, mine's on autopilot. I don't look at it either, but if someone wanted to see all my feeds, uh, they can go there. Yeah, that, that's probably the best
0: place to find everything. Me is on FriendFeed. If you say something on there, and I, I'll get it in my email, and I may come back in and have a conversation with you but generally speaking that's kind of all on autopilot now but that's still the best way to fi- way to find everything me but anyway i guess that is it and this will be the final time we will where we get to say we will see you later yeah, yeah. see ya
1: bye